Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. During a winter storm in New York, a wife and mother is found brutally murdered in her bedroom. This enormous knife had been left protruding out of her chest, almost as a calling card. It was really a shocking scene for the police. Detectives search outside for clues in the freezing temperatures. It was snowing harder and harder as the night went on and barely got above 30 degrees. All these factors, whether it's snow, sleet, ice, can impact an investigation. But could the weather turn out to be more of an ally than investigators think? I looked outside and saw footprints leading to the back door. If the weather had been different that day, then the police investigation would have probably gone in a different direction. Weather played a tremendous role in helping investigators solve this crime. village located in Ramapo, New York, is nestled along the border of New Jersey and about 30 miles north of New York City. Chestnut Ridge is one of those wonderful little suburban towns. There really is a sense of community, and you can have your quiet suburban life or jump in the car and within an hour you're eating dinner in Manhattan. Another appeal is the weather. We have mountains here, we have the Hudson River, so we can get moderating temperatures. The summers are not too hot, autumns are spectacular. Winters can be mild, but they can also surprise us and be quite brutal. Winters average about 25 inches of snow a year. January is the coldest month, with nighttime low temperatures dropping below freezing much of the time. The winter's snow can range from six to 12 snow events a year to even more than that. At times, we've even been hit with blizzards. And in the first week of January 2003, a significant winter weather phenomena occurs across the state of New Jersey, an Alberta clipper. An Alberta clipper is a fast-moving low-pressure system from Alberta, Canada. It brings plunging cold temperatures and snow to the Northeast and North Central America, and it can last about a day or so. When we hear Alberta Clipper here, we know we're in for snow, but usually it's not a long, prolonged storm system. They're not quite like a huge blizzard, but they're short and intense. after New Year's, a disturbing 911 call shatters the tranquil night in Chestnut Ridge. 
her neighbor is 36-year-old Peter Visage. The police dispatcher asked to have Peter get put on the phone. Peter described that he'd been robbed and that his wife was lying on the floor in a pool of blood. Police rushed to the address in the freezing temperatures and snow. The low temperature that night was 26 degrees, and there was already two and a half inches of snow on the ground from that day, and more was falling. After arriving on scene, officers first speak with Peter, who is out front waiting for them. Peter Visage had advised the police that he had come home with his young son, and he went upstairs to the bedroom, and he thought his wife, Evelyn Visage, might be dead. Officers carefully enter the darkened home, and when they make their way upstairs, they are stunned by what they find. The way Evelyn Visage was found was really shocking. There could be no doubt whatsoever that she was dead. It was a pretty horrific scene. Evelyn's body was there, lying on its back, and in a considerable pool of blood, and a knife was left sticking out of her chest. Evelyn Vasquez Mercado was born in Puerto Rico on January 22, 1966, and was raised by her grandmother. She didn't have much of a family and did not come from a background of means. Evelyn had a mother who lived in Puerto Rico. She didn't really know her father. She had some relatives in the metropolitan New York area, but not many, and so she really struck out on her own. When she turned 19, Evelyn moved in with an aunt in Patterson, New Jersey, where she made friends quickly. She was very outgoing and very well-liked. By 1992, after several years of working odd jobs, Evelyn landed a position at a home improvement store that was perfect for her outgoing personality. Her job was in the design center, so helping people make their homes their own. She was a vibrant woman. She was beloved by all her coworkers, and she really wanted to make a life for herself. Considering she did not grow up in this area, to become so successful and well-loved really speaks to the character of Evelyn. Then in 1999, while on the job, Evelyn caught the eye of a 32-year-old charismatic customer. One day when Evelyn was at work, Peter Visich was there, and there was a little spark, and they started to get to know one another. Peter Visage had grown up in that area of New Jersey, and he came from a family that was well off. He had a strong family relationship with his mother and father. His brother was involved in law enforcement. Peter worked at an engine machine shop where they assembled and repaired engines for trucks, race cars, stuff like that. They got along very well despite their background differences, and Evelyn was uh, very much taken with Peter. Evelyn could tell right away he was someone she could build a family with. So after a few months of dating, the two wed in a small ceremony. Things moved very quickly in the relationship, and she was soon pregnant with their first child. So in the spring of 2000, the couple moved to Chestnut Ridge, New York, 
The Chestnut Ridge area is very close to where she worked in Paramus, New Jersey. So it was a very quick commute. They bought a house that they had always dreamed of, and they seemed to live a happy existence. In March of 2000, Evelyn gave birth to a son, Ryan, and the new parents were both immediately smitten. Both of them were very, very concerned about his safety and his well-being. The young girl from Puerto Rico finally had the family she always dreamed of. Evelyn Visage was well-loved by her co-workers, friends, family. She was a career woman. She was a wife, a mother. The future has to look very bright. Until January 7th, 2003, when it all came crashing down. Now officers have found Evelyn viciously killed inside her bedroom. Her husband, Peter, inconsolable. Peter was described as curled up in a ball, rolling back and forth in the snow, screaming. Ramapo police bring him to the station and immediately alert homicide detectives. It's clearly not a suicide. So the question is, who committed the crime and why was this crime committed? As Ramapo investigators arrive at the gruesome crime scene, they quickly discover this case isn't what it seems. Evelyn had a separate life other than her life with Peter and Ryan. And the snowy weather has set the stage for the most diabolical betrayal. Mother Nature turns the case in an entirely new direction. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. In January 2003, the Northeast experienced an Alberta clipper, which brings bitter cold and snow from Canada. New York and New Jersey experienced plunging temperatures with lows in the 20s and up to three inches of snow. Ramapo investigators faced the brutal weather while working a bizarre murder case. 
after 35-year-old Peter Visage discovers his 36-year-old wife Evelyn dead in their Chestnut Ridge home with a knife sticking out of her chest. For such a heinous crime like this to happen in this type of area was almost unheard of. Detective James Burbridge joins first responders outside the Visage house, its windows still adorned with Christmas wreaths. Based on the weather, the snow was increasingly becoming more heavy. I decided that my focus would be on the exterior in an effort to preserve or locate any evidence that would have been damaged by the snow and blowing winds. And with temperatures dropping, he'll need to hurry. It was 26 degrees, dangerously cold. For anyone to stay outside for a prolonged period of time, that's when hypothermia sets in real quickly. The weather was a concern of mine. That's why we did some things differently than you would normally do in a typical investigation. We were under the gun of dealing with the snow, freezing weather, so we were kind of doing that in a rushed fashion. Meanwhile, other investigators bring Peter to the station for questioning. Peter Visage fully cooperated with the police. He voluntarily went down to the police station. He appears in shock as he tells police about his day. Peter was very forthcoming with where he was and what he had done during the day. Peter had his son Ryan with him. He went to his mother's house to have dinner with his parents. Peter left his parents' house around 8 o'clock. He thought that he left his son's eye medication at his mother's house. So he proceeded back to his mother's house and picked up the eye medication. On the way home, he stopped to get milk in the supermarket, and then he proceeded home. One of the first things he did was pull a receipt out of his pants showing that he was shopping at the time of the murder. The receipt showed the time as 10.18 PM. He had arrived home in the vicinity of 10.30 or so. He picked up the baby out of the car seat and entered the house through the garage. Peter tells detectives he left Ryan in the living room and walked upstairs, calling for Evelyn. However, she didn't answer. Peter thought that she was home because the car she was driving was in the driveway. Peter said he continued to call out to her. He didn't really notice anything unusual until he was going to go up the steps to the bedroom. He then said that the lights didn't work and that when he got to the top of the steps, he peeked into the bedroom where he saw Evelyn laying on the floor. He said that there was a lot of blood. At that time, he ran down the stairs. Peter never entered the room to check on his wife, Evelyn. He was just concerned about his young son and wanted to get him out of the house as soon as possible. That's when he says he ran to his neighbor's house to call 911. Now, Peter had a cell phone with him. There was also a house phone. So he didn't use either of those to call 911. Instead, he ran across the street. Peter could not offer any good explanation other than the fact that he was extremely upset. Peter says he assumed that someone had broken in to rob the home and attacked his wife. He believed that they had been robbed based on the fact that there were small jewelry boxes strewn about the bedroom. When asked about the relationship with Evelyn, Peter admits that things haven't been perfect. Peter told us that Evelyn and he were involved in a divorce, but that in fact he still loved her and the divorce centered around their money problems, her spending, typical husband-wife problems. Both Peter and Evelyn stayed in the Chestnut Ridge home while the divorce proceeding was going on. It may seem strange, but apparently that is not uncommon because
because neither side wants to be viewed as abandoning either the child and or the home. Although it appeared Peter would be the perfect prime suspect, he seemed to have a solid alibi for the evening. He's offered hair, nails, blood, whatever we want. He said he would take a polygraph. He didn't even try to fight it when they wanted to search his home and his vehicle. He said, fine, go ahead, I have nothing to hide. He also didn't have any scratches on him that would suggest a struggle. So there was nothing to suggest that Peter Visage had actually committed this murder. Back at the snowy crime scene, Burbridge carefully inspects the outside of the house. The crime scene was a huge undertaking based on the size of the house, the exterior, the fact that the snow was becoming more heavy. If we were going to locate any evidence, it was fastly becoming difficult. The police would be looking for doors that were forced open, windows that have damage, entryway into the home that would not be natural. In the front, police make note of Evelyn's car in the driveway. You could tell by the amount of snow that was piled onto her car approximately how long she had been at the home. Obviously, she must have just gotten home. But as Detective Burbridge makes his way to the back of the house, on the snow-covered lawn, something catches the detective's eye. I saw footprints, so I traced those footprints from a safe distance and found that they led from the driveway area to that back laundry room door. It was partially closed, but not fully secure. There was no forced entry into the house anywhere, and that was the one door that was unlocked. Given that there was still snow coming down, it was a little hard to determine exactly who may have made these footprints, but it was pretty clear it was not made by a woman. I determined that the shoe size was between nine and 10. The shoe was what appeared to be a work-type boot, but there was not an aggressive-type tread. Detective Burbridge checks with the first responders, and no one had been back there. Could these be the shoe prints of Evelyn's killer? This was potentially a roadmap as to where the perpetrator had gone. The snow reveals an important piece of the puzzle in the murder of Evelyn Visage. The footprints did not exit. Whoever did this actually after this murder felt comfortable enough to just waltz out the front door. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. 
Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. In January 2003, Days before Evelyn Visage is killed with a kitchen knife, a winter storm brings frigid temperatures and snow to Chestnut Ridge in Ramapo, New York. Scattered snow showers added nearly two inches of accumulation. Temperatures dipped down in the mid-20s for several days, bringing prolonged cold. When the weather is a factor in an investigation, the police have to move very quick to make sure they capture and preserve all of the evidence. Crime scene. Investigators find what they think could be the killer's snowy shoe prints leading to an open back door. They were fairly recent because of the depth of the snow and the fact that the snow had not filled up the footprints that much. Unfortunately, there are too many prints out front to distinguish which ones might be the perpetrators. And with the weather, preserving the prints by the back door will be difficult. An effort to do a cast of an impression due to the weather was just not possible. So comprehensive photographs were taken of all those footprints. But the snowy footprints reveal even more. They went directly to that back door and nowhere else. One of the most startling things is that the footprints in the snow went into the house in the back door, but they did not exit that way. Whoever did this actually, after this murder, felt comfortable enough to just waltz out the front door. This had to be someone familiar with the home. They knew exactly where to go, how to get in. Those footprints in the snow were the first indication that this was planned. It was probably somehow an inside job. Burbridge heads inside next and finds it strangely dark. Then notice that many of the light bulbs were unscrewed from many of the lights. The light bulbs were found in laundry hampers. And the light bulbs had actually been fully functional. Why would somebody take out a light bulb that's fully functional? As he makes his way into the upstairs master bedroom, it looks like a scene from a horror movie. The scene was particularly gruesome and it must have been a horrible demise of Evelyn. Evelyn was found in a face-up position. Her throat had been slashed, and this enormous knife had been left protruding out of her chest, almost as a calling card. In the bedroom, investigators find signs that perhaps Evelyn surprised a burglar. 
they found what appeared to be jewelry and other items strewn about a bed as if someone had gone through and looked for items to take. But that theory is quickly dismissed. There was a necklace still around her neck. If you were going to rob somebody, you would take as much items as you can. And the rest of the house appears undisturbed. As Evelyn's body is removed for an autopsy, police finally finish up at the snow-covered crime scene and are left with very little physical evidence. There was really no other DNA or forensic type of evidence in this case. There was nothing that was found on the handle of the knife. We attributed that to the possibility that the person is wearing gloves. At the station, Ramapo detectives confirm Peter's alibi. He was with his son at his parents' house, and then he was also at numerous local stores. There were video cameras that captured their appearance. And the snowy footprints don't match Peter's size 10 and a half. So detectives ask Peter if there's anyone he can think of who might want to hurt him or his wife. An interesting twist developed when Peter advised the police that they might want to speak to Evelyn's boyfriend. Detectives turned their attention to Evelyn's love interest. He was the last person to see Evelyn alive, and that is always of interest to the police. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. In January 2003, days before Evelyn Visage was killed with a kitchen knife, a cold front in Chestnut Ridge, New York, left up to nearly two inches of snow on the ground and temperatures in the 20s. The snowfall on the night of the murder turns out to be a boon for police. Nearly two inches of snow covered the ground, creating a white canvas for detectives to find shoe prints. Light snow did continue to fall, 
but it didn't cover the shoe print or damage evidence. Although Evelyn's soon-to-be ex, Peter, has an alibi and his shoes don't match, he points them in the direction of someone new. Peter very quickly said, why are you looking at me? You should be looking at her boyfriend. Investigators track down Evelyn's boyfriend, Michael, for an interview, and when he arrives at the police station, he is devastated. He was visibly, visibly distraught. Was very upset, obviously crying, looked like he hadn't slept. Michael tells detectives that he and Evelyn met at work and started dating after Peter and Evelyn filed for divorce. Evelyn reportedly would spend a lot of time with her boyfriend. They had grown very, very close. He says the night before, they weren't supposed to see each other after work. Evelyn had been scheduled to have dinner with the child, Ryan, but Peter decided to go to his mother's house, so Evelyn went to her boyfriend's house. Michael says Evelyn came over that evening and ate dinner with him. Michael's mother came and brought them dinner, and she left Michael's house around 9 p.m. He is also forthcoming and gives police hair, blood, and fingerprints. Michael agrees to a polygraph and gives them access to his phone, his email, and his shoes. We did examine his footwear and footwear that he had at his residence, and none of which compared to the footprints left in the snow at the Visage residence. After confirming that his mother was with them until just before Evelyn left, police officially eliminate Michael as a person of interest. It would have been difficult for him to get to Evelyn at the time of the murder. The next day, Evelyn's autopsy is complete, and just as detectives suspected, Evelyn died an extremely violent death. Evelyn had been stabbed twice in the back, then four to five times in the front. The stab wounds to her back did not appear to be life-threatening, but the stab wounds to her chest severed many arteries. Her throat had been slit so severe that she was almost decapitated. The knife was inserted into her neck area, the sharp end first, in a sawing-type motion probably three or four times. That's particularly gruesome. The perpetrator may have overpowered her so fast that she didn't have the opportunity to defend herself. The medical examiner determines the time of death was between 10.05 p.m. and 10.28 p.m. And they knew that she had just left the residence of her boyfriend. She had to drive that distance, and then a short time later, she's found by Peter. Peter had a receipt for buying a gallon of milk at around 10, 10 p.m., and it was clear that he physically could not have been present to commit this murder. But then, who did? Someone that's very strong, and maybe someone who's done this before. They did it in such a fashion that they could get in and out quickly and not leave any trace evidence behind. Detectives decide to look into anyone with a criminal record that might have a similar M.O. 
Ramapo had been inundated with a series of home invasion robbery suspects. Some very bad people who would take over a home, come in brandishing handguns, knives, blunt weapons. But after a thorough search, investigators have no luck. The majority of them were not in the area. Some of them were in jail, and others had alibis that put them at other scenes. We checked everything, sex offenders in the area, people on parole. We looked at all of that, and we couldn't come up with any. The police really were stymied as to who may have committed the murder of Evelyn Visage. Feeling like they've exhausted every lead, investigators recall the one-way footprints in the snow and lack of forced entry at the crime scene. They remain certain that their killer was familiar with the home in some way. This person made a beeline to that door. He didn't walk around the house checking every door and window. It was as if he knew that that was the way he could get into the house. Detectives decide to dig deeper into Evelyn's life. More than a week after the murder, detectives visit the home improvement store where Evelyn worked for 11 years. They start talking to a lot of her co-workers and see if there was somebody that harbored ill will towards Evelyn. But no one had a bad word to say about the sweet woman. There was nothing in her background or history that would indicate she'd be involved with people that would commit this type of offense. She had many friends and her friends quite naturally were devastated when they heard the news that she had been murdered. Her co-workers say they have no idea who would want to harm her, except maybe Peter. Co-workers of Evelyn described a toxic relationship between Peter and Evelyn. Co-workers tell detectives that Evelyn confided in them about her marriage and how the honeymoon didn't last long. Evelyn was a very outgoing person who liked to do many different things. Peter started becoming more withdrawn and didn't want to really do much. Detectives learned that Peter, a machinist, was often unemployed and money was a topic of contention. The half a year leading up to the murder, the couple had been arguing. Their marriage seemed to be struggling, a lot of verbal abuse. Friends tell detectives that Evelyn couldn't take it anymore and filed for divorce in May. But Peter wouldn't agree on joint custody of their son, Ryan, so a battle ensued. Both Peter Visage and Evelyn Visage were vying for custody and control of the child. That's when they say that Peter became possessive. Peter would call her job incessantly, sometimes as many as 20 times a day, asking where she is, what she's doing. He wanted to drive her to and from work and was going to give her a stipend of $50 a week. And other than that, she was to spend no money. A lot of animosity was building up in this relationship. They're still living under the same roof. That is a recipe for disaster. It was like a pressure cooker. To investigators, it sounds like Peter has the perfect motive, but he also has the perfect alibi. And when detectives try to get that polygraph test from him, their communication with Peter comes to a sudden halt. He invoked his right to an attorney, and the attorneys would not allow him to say anything to us. He'd come to the conclusion that Peter Visage was somehow involved in this. But knowing something and proving it are two different things. Ramapo investigators make a shocking discovery, one that points them right in the direction of Evelyn's killer. It turned out to be a critical piece of evidence. 
He was a person with a varied criminal past. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. After Ramapo, New York, investigators find Evelyn Visage stabbed to death in her home. Footprints in the snow lead them to the entry point the killer used. Even though her estranged husband, Peter Visage, has an alibi, Ramapo detectives have a gut feeling he's involved somehow, but they have no proof. And I remember saying to the police, he is not smarter than everybody in this room. Two weeks after the murder, investigators finished processing Peter's van. In Peter Visage's van, they found some pretty interesting things. They found $3,700 in $100 bills in a bank envelope. Also of notoriety found in the van were two prepaid telephone calling cards. Why would you need a separate prepaid cell phone card unless you're making calls that you don't want to be traced? The DA subpoenas records for the prepaid phone cards and makes a major discovery. Records revealed that Peter Visage, using that prepaid phone card, made 44 phone calls to a Florida cell phone number exclusively from November of 2002 up until the night of the murder. The police were then able to determine the subscriber information for that cell phone. It was found to be a Florida-based cell phone registered to an individual named Frank Thon. Police conduct a triangulation to see where that phone was when Evelyn was killed, and they discover it was within a mile of the house. We knew that his phone was in the area, but that doesn't mean that he was exactly in the area. 
Detectives do a background check and discover the 41-year-old house painter lives in New Jersey and has a long rap sheet. Frank Don was a person with a varied criminal past, including arrests for assault, narcotics, driving while intoxicated, stolen property, theft. He was not a very good guy. When police trying to track him down, they don't have to look far. Frank Thon had actually been recently arrested in New Jersey and was in a jail in Morris County, New Jersey. Since Frank isn't going anywhere, detectives dig for more evidence. They need to see if Frank, and not just his phone, were near the Visage house at the time of the murder. Based on Frank Thon's history, we knew that he liked to drink. So detectives went to bars in the area and showed his picture. That's when police get a big break. As it turns out, there was a local bar called The Silo that was located within that one-mile radius of the Visage home. They showed the bartender Frank's photo, and she immediately recognized him because he had been chatting her up all night. She recalled he had left the bar that night, certainly within the timeline, to be present at the Visage home for Evelyn's murder. It's just the proof investigators need to get search warrants. At 7 a.m. on February 5th, 2003, detectives search Frank's apartment. One of the items that was found was a computer. Using computer forensic analysis, it was determined that Frank Thon had used MapQuest. They find not only the floor plan to Evelyn's home, but directions on how to get there. And when investigators search his home for the matching shoe that made the prints in the snow, they find more proof he's their guy. He would wear construction-type boots. While 100% match of the boots could not be had with the footprints in the snow, they were certainly consistent with the type of shoe that Frank Thon had in his residence. With only circumstantial evidence, police know they'll need a confession. We had decided that we were going to take the chance and interview Frank Thon in jail. Detectives arrive at the jail with a plan. We requested a small room. I found it very difficult for a person to lie when you're in their personal space. Next, investigators stack empty file boxes in the room, all bearing Frank Thon's name. And tapes, CDs, videos. We had maps, all of which pretty much contained nothing. It was all props set up to cause Frank to tell us if, in fact, he was involved in this. They have the guards shackle Frank's ankles like a hardened criminal and walk him in. He sat down, he looked to the left, he said to the detectives, looks like you did your homework, what do you want to know? Detectives finally learn the details of what happened that fateful night to Evelyn and who is ultimately responsible. And that was the bombshell moment. He told me the layout of the house and it was pretty much on me the way I was going to execute it. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. 
The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. In January 2003, a winter storm hit Chestnut Ridge, New York, on the night that Evelyn Visage was butchered. Had it not been for the freshly fallen snow, police might not have had the shoe prints for evidence. That led investigators straight to her killer, Frank Thon. Those footprints in the snow showed it was probably somehow an inside job and that you were looking for a male. That's pretty good within moments of a crime being discovered. Investigators sit down with Frank, and he tells them what they presumed all along. He said, yes, I stabbed Evelyn, but Peter Visage paid me to do it. Frank tells detectives that in November 2002, he met Peter for the first time through a mutual friend. He had recommended Frank Thon for other instances of beating people up, hurting people. Conversations began to happen between Peter and Frank about eliminating Evelyn because she had dared to file for divorce and wanted custody of his beloved son. Did Peter like okay the plan? He told me to lay out of the house and it was pretty much on me the way I was going to execute The price to murder Evelyn, $10,000. Frank says they agreed to meet at a pizzeria in Newark to get half his payment up front. And astonishingly, Peter brought his little three-year-old son, Ryan, to meet the hitman to give him $5,000 to get this murder underway. Peter Vicious continued to call Frank Don, bugging him incessantly on how he was gonna do it, when he was gonna do it, and where he was gonna do it. Finally, Frank decided to do it on January 7th. Frank explains that Peter told him Evelyn would be home around 9 p.m. and he'd leave the back door unlocked. Peter told Frank they needed to make it look like a robbery. Peter also told Frank Thon one other thing. He said, do a good job. Around 4.30 p.m., Frank headed to Chestnut Ridge. He stopped off at Silo Bar first. He had a couple of shots. As he described it, as he was gaining some liquid courage. Frank left the bar just before 7.30 p.m. and drove the one-mile distance to the Visage house and parked a few blocks away. He entered the unlocked back door, leaving a trail of size 10 shoe prints in the snow, a roadmap for investigators. What kind of knife did you have? It's a kitchen knife. Frank Don removed the light bulbs from the fixtures and threw some of the items on the bed to try to make it look like it was a burglary. Around 9.30 p.m., Frank says he heard Evelyn's car in the driveway. As Evelyn Visage made her way upstairs, Frank was waiting in her bedroom for her. In chilling detail, Frank tells detectives what he did next. 
walked up the stairs and went straight to her bedroom. She turned and I startled her, but she didn't scream. She, she made a sound. I told her to lay down, lay face down on her bed, that I was only there to rob her. Evelyn kneeled down near the bed, and that's when Frank Don stabbed her in the back. He grabbed Evelyn by the hair, pulled her neck back, and slit her throat. Frank Don took that 12-inch knife, plunged it through her chest so hard that the tip of the knife went into the floorboards, thinking to himself the words that Peter told him, do a good job. Then Frank walked out the front door, and on the drive home, he says he tossed his shoes out the window. In fact, extensive searches were conducted in an effort to locate those shoes, but with the snow and snow plows, we never located the shoes. Six days later, on February 11, 2003, Frank Thon is charged with Evelyn's murder. To corroborate Frank's story, police go to the pizzeria where the plot was hatched. The owner of the pizzeria remembered Frank Thon, Peter Visage, and the child had a distinctive hat on. On Valentine's Day, detectives arrived to arrest Peter. I told Peter, I said, we found out who killed your wife. And he said, oh, really? Did you really? I said, yes. I said, you killed your wife. You're under arrest. Peter is charged with two counts each of first and second degree murder, as well as robbery and endangering the welfare of a minor. Three months later, Frank Thon makes a deal and agrees to plead guilty to first degree murder and testify against Peter. He receives 20 years to life. Peter was the real monster in this case. Had Peter Visage not hired him to do this killing, Frank never would have done this on his own. On November 5th, 2003, Peter Visage goes to trial and pleads not guilty. Frank Thon is the star witness. His testimony at the trial was compelling and chilling, and you could hear a pin drop during the entire time. But Peter's defense claims that Frank was a criminal who acted alone. Even with all of this overwhelming evidence, Peter still is saying, I am innocent, I have been framed. But the jury doesn't buy it. On November 13, 2003, after three hours of deliberation, Peter Visage is found guilty of all charges. On January 6, 2004, almost one year to the day of Evelyn's murder, Peter is sentenced to two concurrent terms of life without parole. The court also sentenced him to 25 years to life on the murder in the second degree charges and 25 years on the robbery charges, as well as one year for the endangering of his young son. Although justice has been served in the murder case of Evelyn Visage, her absence will be forever mourned. The real tragedy in this case is the fate of poor Ryan. Because of Peter's twisted thinking, his son was left without a mother and now lives without a father who was behind bars for the rest of his life. After Ryan's world was turned upside down, he went on to live with his uncle. In the end, Peter Visage tried to control everything in his life, but he couldn't control the weather. Weather completely played a huge role in helping investigators piece it together and ultimately solve what had happened to Evelyn Visage. If the weather had been different that day, Peter Visage may never have been convicted in the murder of his wife. <laughs>